Exodus chapter 2, the birth of Moses. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. And then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I'll pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. On September the 23rd, 2016, I discovered what it means to be rescued. This is my canoe, and uh, this beautiful montage in the back is a little snippet of the 23rd of September, 2016. I was out canoeing in the Firth of Forth with my fiancée Ruth, who was enthusiastically Facebook-living this moment as I was uh, viciously trying to keep us afloat in this canoe. It was a day I was really looking forward to. I love going out on this boat. I love going out and having some space in the week, getting on the water where there's stillness and calm. I look forward to it. It's a peaceful place. This day was a little bumpy, but it was good fun. It was a time where we were together. It was a time where we had an adventure in mind. The goal was to get to the island underneath the fourth rail bridge, a place that I'd always wanted to go. And we paddled out. We had a little moment under the bridge here. It was incredible. And then we got to the island underneath the fourth rail bridge. We made it and we, we sat there, got a Kit Kat out. We're having a great time. It was, it was beginning to get a little windy, but we were happy. It was, it was a place that I'd always really wanted to get to. Getting there felt that sense of satisfaction of not falling in, of achievement, of uh, hope. There was even a point where Ruth said, maybe we could do this every Friday. Brilliant. <laughs> And then we decided to go home. And uh, as, as at that point, the waters were a little choppier. So, so we thought, okay, let's get the canoe and we'll go around this island to the safe still bit at the back. We wondered if we could get around there. And as we begin to, to paddle out, we realized the waves have picked up. The wind 
has picked up and suddenly there's um, higher waves than there were before. It wasn't favorable conditions by any sense. And so, um, using my uh, little knowledge and few hours of experience in the canoe, we, we paddle and we paddle and we're trying to go this way towards Queen's Ferry. We paddle, we're trying to get home this way, but actually the boat decides to go a different way. The boat goes with the wind and not my paddling, unsurprisingly. And we begin to, to move out further and I'm feeling a little bit unwell at this point, thinking something might happen. So we're paddling, we're paddling, and the boat is not going anywhere, and then the waves begin to kind of pick us up parallel, so the boat starts to move up and down. It goes up once, and we're down, and then it goes up again, and then you start to feel it, it goes up a third time, and then fourth time, and we are in the fourth, done. Falling out the canoe, I just remember that experience of thinking, help. I remember thinking, is everything going to be okay? This is an awful idea. I fell in, came up spluttering. <laughs> okay, you know, Ruth, where's Ruth? Checking for her. Ruth emerges, bah, iPhone in hand, <laughs> saving it from the depths. I'm spluttering over my contacts, haven't floated away into the ether. Ruth emerges, sunglasses on, perfectly. No hair out of place. It's a miracle. So we, we are, we're out the canoe at this point. We, we try and write it, we get it, get it clear, and the island is about 10, I don't know, 15 meters back there. And I'm going, kick, kick, get to the island. Spluttering away pathetically, pulling us up back to this island, the place that I always wanted to set foot on has now become the haven for our lives. We get up, we pull the boat back onto the island that's full. There's seaweed, there's probably a Russian submarine kicking about somewhere. It's wild. And we pull ourselves back in. And then we think, great. Now how do we get off this island and get home? So a moment later, a moment, this tugboat pops by. And it's a little security boat for the new bridge, which I'm very thankful that they built. And they shout to us, seeing if we need rescue. It's blatant that we do. And so we, we end up, we swim out to this other boat, back into the freezing waters, and they, they literally grab us by the jacket and pull us back on to their ship. And I've never felt such safety before. I've never felt such relief to be in a small security boat in the Firth of Forth. We make our way back, and as we're going, the RNLI cross our path full regalia looking very impressive with us looking very sheepish. They offered to go and pick up my boat, which is very kind of them and is not what we initially want to pay them for. But we get back to land and we get warm. The Coast Guard come up. By this point, the ambulance has been uh, sent back when they realized we weren't hypothermic, just a little embarrassed, wet and cold. We warm up. We see the canoe coming back up the, the pier. I feel a little bit rubbish. The Coast Guard gives us that little lecture, which is, is, is very true. But the harbour master, the guy running the place, gave me the great compliment. He said, I was very surprised when I saw you fall in. I thought, oh, good. And he said the wind had picked up and they were reporting this amongst themselves. <laughs> a few weeks later, this appears. And as you can see, 
um, both vessels returned to Hawes Pier where the casualties were handed over to the local Coast Guard. Both were cold, but not hypothermic. That's important to know. Um, and so this is the story. And I've never felt such relief in my life. And I wonder, have you ever needed to be rescued? Have you ever had that sense of needing rescue? It might not have been from the Firth of Forth in a, in a foolish boating accident. But what's your experience of needing rescue? Tonight's story is about someone even more vulnerable than an inexperienced canoe. It's about a baby placed in a wild, wild place. This is the story of Moses' birth and his mother and his sister around him planning to um, help this child out. And tonight we're going to ask the question, well, what, what was Moses rescued from and what was Moses rescued for? What are we rescued from and what are we rescued for? So to give us a bit of a, an understanding of this passage, let's go back into ancient Egypt. I promise we're not going to use the Prince of Egypt at all tonight. No, no pictures, no clips. Go home and watch it if you need some more on it, but no Prince of Egypt. Let's imagine this. The Israelites have been living peaceably in Egypt for many years, and they grow and they grow in number. And so Pharaoh, of course, decides this is too much. If another invading army comes in, they might decide to join them. They might overthrow Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh makes a decision, a cold, dark, and cruel decision to get rid of every child under a certain age, every male boy under a certain age, thinking that they would be the ones to grow up and fight. And the boys would be cast into the river and drowned. This is a barbaric society. This is not one full of logic and the rule of law. This is carnage on a huge scale. And so Moses' mother, um, with this Hebrew baby, realizes when he hits three months old that um, the child maybe isn't sleeping quite so much as the child used to. The child found lungs, the child shrieks, and she can't hide this baby anymore. And she has to do something. It says she recognized something special in him, which is something we've got to take note of. She sees purpose in this child's life. And she makes a decision to take a risk. And so she knows the spot. She knows a safe spot in the river where Pharaoh's daughter would go and bathe. And she wonders if she does the right thing in the right place at the right time, could her child be saved. She builds this basket and lines it with tar. It's a waterproof basket, lays the baby in. She goes down to the river and finds a safe, still spot with tall reeds, strong, firm ones. This is, you know, this is not throwing the baby down the white waters of the Tay and hoping for the best. This is a smart, calculated move. She goes at the right place at the right time, places the baby in, gets her daughter to keep an eye out, sees the Pharaoh's daughter come, who has compassion and mercy on the child. Pharaoh's daughter, growing up in this home of widespread genocide, easily could have got rid of the baby instantly, but there was compassion there somehow. And of course then, as we heard in the passage, the baby is then given actually back to the mother, working in the Pharaoh's house, and the child is raised. 
So we have a child placed in extreme danger who's rescued, and not only rescued back to normal, but is redeemed to safety. The old has been revoked, and redemption is at play. This is a Hebrew boy destined for death or slavery who ends up in the house of Pharaoh. God rescues us often by something that we couldn't do to get out of something that we couldn't get out of. The experience we have of rescue, the experience I have of the RNLI and the rescue services, they got me out of something I could not have got out of myself by doing something that I could not have done. So what was Moses rescued from and what are we rescued for? I don't want to open this up because the beauty of what this is is not just a physical rescue and it's not just that Moses got plucked from one place to another. And God isn't just in this physical rescue. God rescues every part of our lives for his great purpose. And so I wonder if we can hold any experiences we've had of needing rescued and we can hold that picture of Moses and this child, this vulnerable child now rescued for a great purpose, raised in the Pharaoh's house. And we ask those questions, what was Moses rescued from? What was Moses rescued for? We're going to do this really simply and um, we're going to use a way that people understand how do we get rescued at, at different levels. And a man called Robert Diltz years ago came up with um, what he called logical levels. And really, really simply, this is an example of all the different spaces in our lives. Moving from the outside environment, the world that we're surrounded by, the world we live in, through everything, right in to the core of our very purpose. And might God tonight speak into the core of our very purpose. Let's think about Moses then. So Moses was saved, firstly, from an environment. Moses' environment that he was born into was one of slavery. It was one of fear. The space that Moses was born into was death, it was oppression. This was the surrounding that he was rescued from in the reeds. But it wasn't just about the environment around him that he got out of. There was the behaviors then. What would it be like to grow up in fear? What would it be like to grow up in slavery? Moses was rescued in the way he then acted. He was rescued from hiding, from growing up unable to speak freely, to work to his potential. Moses was rescued from being incapable the potential Moses had to lead people to inspire freedom, all of that was being shut down. Every Hebrew be shut down by the Egyptians. Forced labor, off they go. And going closer, you know, his environment, he was saved from that. The way he could act, he was saved in that. He had potential, but even the very beliefs moving into the core of who Moses is, God wanted to rescue him from the very beliefs that might have led him away from God what Moses would value in his life. It could have been so easy for Moses to grow up thinking God's not good. It's so easy for us to think that often. 
God's not good. He wouldn't have allowed this to happen. God's not a father. God's distant. God's abandoned us. And he was rescued from that. God was rescuing Moses even closer to who he is in his identity, who he thinks he is. God rescues Moses from believing that his identity was one of hopeless and slave and worthless. And right into the core, beyond his environment and the way he would act and what he could do and what he believed and who he thought he was, God was rescuing his very purpose. God wants to rescue our core, very purpose for being alive. Moses was rescued from his purpose being slave, his purpose being worthless, his purpose being a number in a machine. And so what was Moses rescued for? Because it all changes when God transforms this picture of Moses and growing up with his mother surrounding him and, and raising him and speaking into his life. Instead of growing up as slave and as unfree, Moses grows up with a picture that he is now potentially at his core purpose, someone who can liberate others. A slave moving to a liberator. And as God grows this and it comes out, He's a liberator, and that means in his identity, he knows he's a child of God. He knows that he's chosen. And in his beliefs then, he has a sense that he has an ability to know God. He could know his people. He had a belief and faith in the living God, following after his mother, following after his sister's belief and faith in God. And he was rescued into a new sense of what was possible. It says Moses was skilled in music. Moses was skilled in strategy. He learned from the Pharaoh. It made no sense. And in his behavior, as you can see, we go further and further outward into the world. Moses became someone who could free people. Moses became someone who was a defender of the weak, a liberator of the fearful. And from that place... His purpose, all the way from the purpose, he began to shape the environment around him. He disrupted the system that said they are not free. He disrupted what Pharaoh would allow them to do. He disrupted a system that placed slavery on top of his people. We see this. God wants to rescue us. It's not just from the world around us. It's not about getting safe from the world. God is rescuing our behaviors. God is rescuing us from what we don't think we're capable of. God is rescuing us from beliefs that could harm us or the world around us. God is rescuing our very identity, who we even believe we are every day that we wake. God is rescuing our purpose. And so we see this in Moses, a whole life rescued. This moment, this thankfulness that we now have, and so I wonder, what, what is it for, for us here? What does God rescue us from? What does God rescue us for? If you were to invite God to speak into the very purpose, the very core of who you are, your identity, what is it that we need 
rescued from. Perhaps your environment has been abusive and oppressive. Perhaps your environment around you in your home or your workplace says you cannot do this and it limits you. God wants to rescue you from that. Perhaps in our behaviors, maybe we carry addictive behaviors in our lives, anything to coffee or sugar or pornography through to drugs or through to work and money or greed. Perhaps God wants to rescue you from what you believe you're not able to do. Maybe tonight you just heard this message over your life that you're a failure. Or that exams and the results of that is setting the destination of your life more than who God says you are. God is rescuing us from that. He's rescuing us from beliefs and values that aren't helping us. Maybe you have that belief that God might be distant or cold. Or maybe you think God's out to get you and just looking for every moment where you might fail, that he's full of anger at you. And God is rescuing us from these. God's rescuing our identity from a message that says we're, we're hopeless or worthless or that we're just what the world says we are. God rescues us from the identity that is shaped by our bodies or shaped by the, the words of people around us. God rescues our purpose as people. He gives us a new purpose. You see that in a man like Paul in the New Testament. I, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, to you, and he writes to his friends, in the grace and mercy and love of God, bringing peace. He transforms our purpose. There's a rescue going on at every part of who we are, from the world around us to what we think, to what we're feeling, to our very core purpose. And so going through that, if we were to think of God just rescuing us, our environment, our behaviors, what we're able to do, our beliefs, and then our very identity, and right into our our core of who we think we are, God then starts to help us to live out from that place. He rescues us and helps us to live for something. We're not just rescued from danger, we're rescued for a purpose. When we realize that our identity is child of God, sent to the world as an ambassador of grace and love and mercy, when that becomes who we are, the world can look and feel a little different. When our values and beliefs are that the promises of Christ are ours, when we know that we have a hope and glory by looking at him, when we're filled with the wonder of the peace of God and our values and what we believe, it changes the way that we live out. When we realize as, as we live from that purpose that what we're capable of changes, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, that we can cast our burdens upon him for he cares, that we can receive grace and mercy in our time of need, It changes what we see in us. It changes the way we behave. It invites us to choose life. invites us to choose healing, to choose openness, to choose to connect to God and others. It might take us out of being cut off from other people and into a relationship. It might enable us to serve in a church or connect with people. 
and be open to our faith being inspired or challenged. Might be open to healing, to counsel, to prayer. And then what happens is God, living from that purpose, our environment around us changes. Where do you spend most of your week? Where do you spend most of your time? Who is in the world around you? Because you now shape every space you walk into with the very purpose God rescued you for. That you are now a child of God, that you are now in Christ because of who he is. Shapes every room that you walk into, every conversation that we have. Maybe you inspire the beauty of God in art. Maybe in your business you create um, justice amongst people. Why do we need that? Maybe you bring employment to people. Maybe you're in education and you, you bring children up to know empathy, to feel the heart of other people. Wherever sphere that you're in, there is a purpose that you live from in God and there's a purpose he offers to us. This isn't about age. It's not about stage. This is a gift from God. Just like this canoe I got that sense that I was rescued for something, a new appreciation of who the RNLI were, <laughs> a new appreciation of people who chose to rescue others as their purpose, who chose to give love and offer um, free service. And so tonight, where in our purpose is God opening us up? Where is he rescuing us? What if he begins to scratch at something that for years has been your way of looking at life and says, I want to challenge that. I want to tell you who I see you are. I want to tell you the life I see you could live. So God rescues us for his great purpose. And he did it through Jesus. And he did it in a way that we are now going to look at and celebrate through this table. So let's continue to respond tonight to that. Amen.